took it out.
let's stand this evening and let's go right into worship. Those joining online, we are so glad to have you in service tonight. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church, Prayer Bells of Heaven. Let's worship the Lord tonight. And Lord, we ask that you would inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, there are many within, uh, Lord, our congregation tonight that are that are sick in body and that are battling COVID and other things. But Lord, you brought us into your house tonight to worship you tonight. And so Lord, the, those of us that are in house and those that are joining online, we come before you to bring a sacrifice of praise that would bring glory and honor unto you. And Lord, we welcome your spirit in this place and ask you to dwell with us in the solemnness and sacredness of this moment. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, and the body of Christ together said amen. 
Amen. Amen. Let us continue worshiping this evening by singing an old praise chorus of the church. We bring the sacrifice of praise.
Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we sing this verse? Thank you, Jesus, one more time. Just let him know. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, do you thank the Lord tonight? Thank you, Oh, we have a right to give God praise in the house. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship and magnify you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, in this place. Thank you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, let's sing out one more time. It sounds so beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we magnify and worship the name of Jesus. We glorify the name of Jesus. We worship the name of Jesus. Thank you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. So we sing thank you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's one more time just sing hallelujah very worshipfully to the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Glorify, we magnify the name of the Lord. Lord, you're worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Oh, can we declare hallelujah to the Lamb of God? Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy of all our praise. Hallelujah. Lord, you are worthy tonight. Hallelujah. We praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight. And we thank you that your name is great and greatly to be praised. Father, we come tonight, Lord, as simple creations in your hand there is nothing illustrious or innate about who we are except that we have been formed and fashioned by the potter himself we have all come in this place at some point in our life being broken pieces of clay but somehow the potter in his wisdom and in only in a way he can put us back together to make us the beautiful creation known as the family of God. 
We all in this place come from various walks of life, various and sundry uh, situations and adversities and journeys. But together we bring a sacrifice of praise to honor you, Christ our Lord. And Father, in the solemnness and the sacredness of this moment, God, we do not want to get ahead of your spirit. We never want to outrun your presence. But God, we want to just simply bask in your presence and, and just make residency in your, in your presence. God, we can feel a sweet serenity of your spirit in this place. God, there is a lot within our congregation that are battling sickness in body and COVID and potential surgeries. There's many in our congregation tonight and in this place that, Lord, have heavy of hearts. There's plenty that haven't been here this morning due to various complications and challenges that have been presented to them as the body of Christ. But yet we still serve the all-risen Savior, the soon-coming King, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last the lion from the tribe of Judah. And we, Lord, can thank you for being God and God alone because we have seen you be God and there is no one like you in this place. God, as we segue from this time of consecrated worship, let us continue to operate in the gift of worship by joining together and studying your word and hearing what your word has to say to us. Speak to our hearts in this moment. Let us not forget what thus saith the word of the Lord, but let it take residency and 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 grab our grip grab and 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 grip our hearts, Lord, with such a passion and a fervor for more of you. God, when we leave this place, we will still hunger and thirst after righteousness because that's the ones you said shall be filled with your presence and your spirit. For that we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the body of Christ together said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this evening. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, my. Absolutely. 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 If you feel comfortable, those that will come, if you'll come, those that don't, you can stay at your seat and stretch your hands. But if you didn't hear, there's a set of grandbabies that have been taken to the hospital with 104 fever. That's dangerously high. But I believe there's a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend. And even if we're not in that hospital, there's a great physician that can walk into a room right now and can meet that need. Shall we pray to
Hallelujah. 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 Heavenly. Jesus' name, we pray and ask these things. Hallelujah. Father. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we worship you today. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Psalms chapter 57. For those joining online, don't forget always to download the Our Church app and search Santee Circle COG so you can know more information. You can always follow us, SanteeCircleCOG.org. There's always multiple platforms to give to the body of Christ in-house, online, and the envelopes uh, by mailing or uh, through your tithes and offerings. Uh, We also uh, have been uh, giving to the Lord uh, through our worship. And uh, don't forget, we are in the middle of our 21 days of fasting and prayer. We are getting ready to launch week two uh, of that uh, this week. And so don't forget tomorrow night at 7 p.m. for about one hour, we are going to just pray and believe God 
He's going to meet us right where we are, and he's going to speak to us, and we are going to feel his presence. We've got a lot sick, battling COVID and other things, but God's a healer, and God's able to do it, and God's able to make it all uh, work out, and so we believe that as well. Those online, don't forget, we will still be in our series of spiritual detox uh, next Sunday morning, uh, talking about the art and the heart of fasting together and what that literally means. Psalms chapter 57, we're going to begin reading... Uh, in verse uh, number 1, Psalms 57 and verse number, excuse me, verse number 7, I'm sorry, I had that on the screen wrong, verse number 7, Psalm 57, verse number 7. Here's what the writer says, the psalmist David, he is writing this as a prayer of safety from enemies, he is is writing this as a remembrance of, Lord, I need your help. And he starts out talking about the mercies of God. And, God, I need you to show me mercy. And I I need you to help me get through a difficult season. That's how he starts this chapter, talking about, Lord, you got to help me. I'm I'm running from my my enemies. In fact, this psalm has often been attributed to when David might have been running from Saul and running and he's hiding in all these caves like a dullum in other places. He's hiding out, trying to find restitution and safe place. And he's like, God, my enemies are against me. And... I need help. But look at what happens in verse number 7. He said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. It's like he has this epiphany. He said, I will sing, regardless of my circumstances, I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake up, awake my psaltery, my harp. I myself will awake early before the daybreak. I will praise thee, O Lord. Among the people, I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Verse number 11. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above the earth. If you'll quickly flip to Psalms 34, verse number 1. Psalms 34. And verse number one, just a few pages back. This is also a psalm of David. When he has pretended to be mad in the presence of Abimelech, who drove him away, and he's acting like he's uh, mentally unstable. But he's talking about the happiness of God. Look at what he says in verse thirty-four, uh, verse 1 of chapter 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. No matter... He doesn't say, I'll bless the Lord in the good times. It doesn't say, I will bless the Lord in the bad times. It doesn't say, I will bless the Lord sometimes. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Lord, I'll bless you. And His praise shall continually be in my mouth. For the next few moments, I want to preach on this subject titled, The Priority of Praise. The priority of praise. You, do you realize that praise is not uh, to be some subjective thing that you can decide when and if you want to do it? It's an objective thing. You, don't, you shouldn't be deciding whether to do it. It's commanded to do it. God doesn't say you should, you know, if you feel like praising me. No, he says you should praise me. He, he, the psalmist David didn't say I'll praise you sometimes, Lord. I'll praise you all the time, Lord. See, some people attribute their praise as subjective. If I feel like it, I'll praise God. 
If I feel good, I'll praise God. If life's good, I'll praise God. But if life's bad, I'm going to be bitter and mad and angry at God. Can I tell you when life's good, yeah, you should praise the Lord. But even when life throws you a proverbial curveball and you're in the pits or in the caves of Adullam or you're in the valley of the shadow of death, even in the most adverse and trying of circumstances, you still should praise the Lord. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in. Heavenly Father, I pray over the reading of this word. I pray you would help us not only to be hearers, but doers thereof of this word. Open eyes, hearts, and ears. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may boldly speak what thus saith the word of the Lord. Do not let me be heard or my eloquent words of wisdom be spoken, but only what you want conveyed in the presence of your people. God, I know that this preaching of this word is in vain unless I am hidden behind the cross and I only preach you crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. So, Lord, today I commit this word, even before it is spoken, back into your charge. Your word says that it would not return unto you void, but would accomplish the task that it was sent to do. So I commit it back into your care and this whole service into your care. In Christ's name I pray and ask these things. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You see, most of the time, people... People will praise the Lord when life's good. Everybody likes to praise God when there's money in the bank. Everybody likes to praise the Lord when they get a bonus check. Everybody don't mind praising the nobody, you know, most people don't mind praising the Lord when they get a new car or a new house. Most people don't mind praising the Lord when uh, you know they uh, get to go on vacation or somebody blesses them with something they didn't expect. But oftentimes it is in the adverse seasons or the trying seasons of life or the difficult seasons of life or the valley seasons or the cave of Adullam seasons of life that most of the time somehow our praise gets lost. Somehow the enemy gets our focus shifted and he convinces us that everything going on around us is more uh, important and, and, and gets our attention focused on that than keeping our our vision and focus on the centrality of, of Christ and His cross. And oftentimes, uh, when life's good, everybody likes to praise the Lord, but then when life's bad, everybody wants to blame the Lord, like it's God's fault. And oftentimes, we see, in, especially in the life of, of, of young believers, that when adversity comes, that's often when they begin to question the faith that they have in God. Oftentimes, that's when, if they're young in the faith... The first time they hit a proverbial roadblock from the enemy, they, they want to give up on church. They want to give up on God. They want to give up on attending church. They want to give up on going to Sunday school. They want to give up on going to Sunday night. They want to give up because it's just too much to take on, too much to handle. You know, I said it this morning about reading about the forsaking of the assembling of ourselves and talked about how the, 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 uh, the writer this morning and, and Isaiah talked about how to keep the Sabbath day holy and consecrate and remember what it's designed to do. And I told you this morning, I completely understand, you know, weather. I completely understand people battling COVID. I completely understand people that are battling sicknesses. But it's something to be said. And I said it a couple of weeks ago in his presence. It is something to be said when a 90-year-old man can drive 45, 44 miles one way over an hour from Johns Island, South Carolina every Sunday morning. But there are 25 and 30 and 35-year-olds that cannot get to church on a Sunday morning. See, what that means is that, that God is not a priority to them. 
he's just an elective to them. Whenever I need him, I'll go see him. But when I don't need him, I won't go see him. There's something to be said, and I'm not here just, I know I'm preaching to the cream of the crop, but there's something to be said about people who are faithful in their attendance and not only to church or into their temporal means of giving or, or to their Sunday school class, but there's something to be said for men and women who prioritize God more than anything else in their life. I remember the story, if you give me just a few moments to take you back to a story in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, verse number 1, Jesus begins by telling his disciples, he said, look, I know that everybody else tries to walk around the city of Samaria because the city of Samaria is is what is known as the half-breeds. They are intermarried with the Jewish and the Gentiles and they have created a mixed race and the Jewish people didn't claim them because they were not purebreds and the Gentile nation didn't claim them because they were intermixed with the enemy, if you will, and so they were like their own segregation of people that nobody wanted. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and say that God didn't come just for white people. God didn't come just for African American people. God didn't come just for Chinese people. The Bible said, God so loved the world. That means red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in His sight. God came for all people. And I tell people all the time, I had one gentleman one time say, well, Pastor, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if I could ever go to a multicultural church. I said, well, then you better not go to heaven. Because there is no white heaven. There's no, there's no Chinese heaven. There's no, there's no, you know, African American heaven or a, or a Filipino heaven. The Bible says every tribe and nation will stand before the throne. That means I may not always understand what my brother from China said or what my sister from Ethiopia said, but I know one word we all say together, hallelujah. That's a universal word in every language. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God who is slain from the foundations of the... See, when I go to heaven, I may not have white neighbors in my mansion. Hello, preacher. So I struggle with, when I go to churches that... Don't embrace anybody coming to church. You know what I love most about our community revivals? Is I never know who's going to show up at that church that night. You know, I would love to see every church have a more multi-generational and multicultural approach. Because that's what the kingdom of God is like. But, but the Samaritan people were kind of the people that nobody wanted to touch. You know, we live in a society that most churches would never say this. But there's a lot of segments of people in our world that most churches don't want to go touch. They don't want to intermingle with them. They don't want to associate with them. They don't want to have uh, uh, some type of relational connection with them. Well, Pastor, our church is a little bit different. That's not the caliber of people we're trying to grow with. That's not the caliber of people we're wanting to bring in. Well, that's funny because God said we are to go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come. Jesus said there was a man having a feast and he invited all the rich people, all the noble people, all the people that was just like him. But everybody said, Sister Brenda, well, I'm busy and I got this to do and my, my daughter's getting 
getting married. My son's having a graduation. And they were too busy. And the master of the feast said to his servant, I don't care who you got to go get, but you go to the highways and the byways and you compel them to come that they can sit and have a feast. Well, that's what, this is what the Bible is trying to convey to us as the body of Christ is that it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, if you're black or you're white, if you're a doctor or you don't even have a third grade education. If you profess the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, there's still room at the cross for you. There's a seat reserved at the banquet table of heaven. We all are going to go up one day in the clouds of glory and be reunited with all of our loved ones to worship Jesus around the throne of heaven. And we know that. And so Jesus said in John 4, He said, guys, I know that most people don't want to go to that side of town, the other side of the tracks, but I must need be go by. What he's saying is, boys, I don't care what's on your agenda today. I have an appointment in Samaria today. I have a divine encounter awaiting me in Samaria today. Now, we know that the Jewish people didn't like Samaritans. We also know that it was a very mycogenic society that they did not like. The, you know, the, the, the level uh, men kind of ranked higher in society than women did in that particular time period. It was a very mycogenic society, I, and, and, and that's just how their culture was at that day. So Jesus sends his disciples off to go buy food. They're hungry. Jesus said, well, then go buy lunch. Here, take the, take the proverbial credit card, go up there, buy your burger, come back, and let me just go buy food. Just, just go. The Bible says that Jesus entered into Samaria and he sits down at a well. While he's sitting there at a well, there becomes a woman there in the middle of the day to draw water. The first red flag of this story is the fact that she came by herself. Because in that society, the women would go together for, one, safety in numbers, so they wouldn't be attacked or robbed or anything like that. And two, they all were kind of like, the mothers, they all kind of raised their children in the same town. Everybody knew each other. They all went to, you know, yoga classes and Zumba classes and, you know, drank coffee together and had their little mom's morning out activities. They all knew each other. So for her to come by herself meant nobody wanted to hang with her. Most people think that she could have been a prostitute. She could have obviously had a bad rap sheet. But for whatever reason, nobody wanted to be associated hanging out with this chick. See, the body of Christ has kind of got like that. We've kind of got like the disciples in this story. We'll take you once you're cleaned up, but we don't want to touch you till you're fixed up. We want you to come pre-cleaned, pre-conditioned, pre-saved, pre-washed, pre-redeemed before you come to church. Because we don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want you to come in drunk because that will give us a bad rap on Facebook or on YouTube. And people will see some drunk person walking in church. You see, when I was growing up as a kid, they didn't really care. Well, we didn't really have Facebook and YouTube. That wasn't even in existence back then. We still had dial-up. And if somebody called the telephone line, it kicked you off the Internet. So you didn't even get to stay on the Internet very long if somebody called the parsonage. So we didn't get that luxury of streaming church. Our best way of streaming church was you better come to church or you miss church. That was all you got. We didn't have a way to stream it to you. If COVID would have hit back in 1999 or 2000, we'd have been in trouble because nobody would have got the word out. <laughs> Thank God that times have changed. But I remember that back then, I've been in revival services with my family, my uncles and my dad and others. And I remember drunk people show up at revival. And they come stammering in. 
And you know what the church did? They didn't do what we do today. Hey, uh, I'm going to need the sergeant of arms to please escort them to the overflow room. And I need them to sit back there. And I'm going to need you to get them some apple juice and get them a warm washcloth and try to talk to them because they're being belligerent. And they need to, they just, will you just sit them in the back room and after service, uh, we'll, we'll get the pastor and he'll come back here and, and he'll talk to you. For, no, no, no. You know what they did? A man or woman of the Lord, whoever was singing or if the man of God or woman of God was preaching, they'd stop service and say, you bring him to me. And they'd bring them up before an old-fashioned altar and they'd say, look, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to get drunk by the Holy Spirit or you're going to leave here under so much conviction you ain't never going to want to touch it again. But you ain't leaving here till something happens in this place. They'd get the oil of the altar of, of the oil and they'd anoint them on the altar of God and they'd pray them slap till they were sober of spirit, sober of speech, sober of mind. And if they happened to be drunk, it wasn't on Bud Light or Michelob Light or, or some kind of hard cider, but it was on the spirit of an almighty mighty God. They didn't try to kick them out the church. They didn't try to push them out the door. They didn't try to hide them in a back room. They didn't try to make sure that they were safe for the church. No, they prayed them through to Jesus. I believe we're living in a day and hour. The problem that we have in the church is we're more worried about what our image is going to be in town and what everybody in town is going to think about us. And what if they see that on social media? Well, I'm just going to let you know they can blow up Facebook, blow up YouTube. But if a man or woman shows up in this church that's drunk or under conviction or they are a prostitute and need a savior Facebook can take me off the air and YouTube can suspend my account but it's going to be a cold day before I ever let somebody walk out of this church not hearing the word of the Lord Jesus sat down there and she shows up Jesus said I'm thirsty will you give me a drink and she says why would you a Jew you don't even talk to us. Why would you ask me, a Samaritan? Not only a Samaritan, why would you as a man initiate a conversation with a woman? That's unkosher to do. So why would you as a Jew speak to a Samaritan and a woman to ask for this? And Jesus said to her, if you knew who it is you were talking to, you would have asked me instead for a drink from the well of living water. She says... Sir, that's impossible. How can you offer me a drink? You have no well. I mean, you have no pot, no, no, no container, no vessel to even dip down into the well to get one. How are you even going to offer me a drink when you don't even have the resources to do it? See, that's what the devil likes to tell the church. How are you going to help this dying world? How are you going to help fix the world? You, you don't have the resources. to. The devil likes to always tell us we're never going to measure up to what we need to be. The devil always wants us to think we're never going to make it. She said, I don't, I don't know how you're going to do it. She said, how are you going to, with no drink? Are you saying that you are greater? Jesus said, well, the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. It'll be like rivers of living water flowing from your belly. She said, are you trying to say that you're greater than our, our grandfather, our great-grandfather Jacob who dug us? Are you trying to say you're better than him? Because to the Jewish people, that would have been an ultimate slap in the face. Are you trying to say you're better than him? Jesus said, he who drinks of the water I give, they'll never thirst again. And she says, well, then praise the Lord. I'm tired of coming out here in the heat of the day getting water. Why don't you give me this so I don't ever have to come you know, to this well again? Jesus said, you've missed the point. He said, i tell you what, I'll give it to you. How about you go call your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, I know. You have five of them. And you're living with a man who isn't your husband. 
And she said, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. We have been told as the Samaritans that there'd come a day. The Jews say we got to worship in the mountains. But they won't let us go there. And the Samaritans say we worship in our town. We're confused. Where, where should we worship the Lord? You know what Jesus says? But an hour will come, and it is now that time, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. What Jesus was really saying is, lady, listen here. It ain't about which church you pick. It's about just getting to a house of worship. It doesn't matter if it sits on a, on a, on a mountaintop or if it's a church in the valley. It doesn't matter if they got all the lights and, you know, screens and sound projections and have all of the amenities that it can offer or it's just a good old-fashioned side-of-the-road country church. The idea is not about so much where you worship, but how you worship. God's not so much concerned. Now, I'm all about you should take care of the house of the Lord. God's not so much concerned of how many screens we have in the building. And how many sound equipment devices we have. And how perfect how perfect the sound EQ is or the untuned. Now, I'm all about you know having the instruments tuned. And so God's not so much concerned about how perfect of a production we put on. He wants to know what is the condition of our heart. He's more concerned not about... Where we worship, but how do we come before him and worship him? And Jesus said, the time will come when you worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You see, what is the priority of praise? Why should we praise the Lord? Well, one of the reasons we praise the Lord is to give reverence to the Savior. I just shared with you this story, how Jesus told her she had no husbands and you know, the man she currently lives in. And the Bible, if you keep reading in John chapter 4, the Bible says that she ran back into the town and she told everybody, come and see a man who has told me everything that I've ever done. And the people of Samaria came and many came to know Jesus Christ and believe on him because of the woman's testimony. See, sometimes God allows you to walk through adverse situations and difficult seasons and it makes you have to go through these proverbial tragedies of life so that when He brings you out on the other side, when you go and tell the world of the goodness of God in the land of the living, that many will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because you have experienced God in the fullness of His power. Irreverence is the Savior. Psalms 145 and 10 says, All your works give thanks to you, O Lord. All your saints shall praise you. We know that all of the works of God will praise Him. We know all of His creation will praise Him. Uh, Psalms 148, the Bible says, Praise the Lord. Praise Him from the heavens. Praise Him from the heights. Praise Him, all you angels. Praise Him, all the hosts. Praise Him, sun, moon. Praise Him, shining stars. Praise Him, the highest heavens, the waters above the heavens. Let the name of the Lord be praised, for He commanded and they were created. Even creation praises God. The heavenly hosts praise the Lord. In Revelation 4, 6 through 8, and before the throne, it was as it were a sea of glass, a crystal sea. 
And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in the front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third like the face of a man, and the fourth is like a, eagle, a creature, like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Even the heavenly hosts praise His name. Revelation 5, 11 and 12. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering the mirads, uh, of mirads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. We have the right to praise the Lord because all the earth shall praise His name. We are the feet and hands and feet of Christ extended. We must praise the Lord to reverence the Savior. I give you another story to prove that theory. Luke chapter 7. Starting around somewhere around verse 36 or so. Don't hold me to it, but I think around verse 36. Jesus is reclining at a table in Bethany at a Pharisee's house. Bethany is the same. The meaning of Bethany means the house of the hunt or the hunted house. H-U-N-T. Jesus often went to Bethany many times. In fact, one of the time, most of the times he went, he went to a house of a lady that owned it by the name of Martha who had a sister Mary and a brother Lazarus. We have heard countless stories about them. But this particular time, Jesus was not there. Jesus was at the house of a man by the name of Simon, a Pharisee. Simon had invited Jesus over for dinner. Now, some scholars believe that Martha may have been the one even serving at this house, potentially, because some people believe, some scholars believe, that the woman in this story that I'm about to share with you may have actually been Mary because of her devotion and connection. But either way, no matter which side of the fence that you lean on the side of it, the, there's a woman who shows up in this story. And here's the story. Simon and Jesus are having this conversation. The disciples are all sitting around. They're, they, you know, if you could imagine kind of like the old, um, uh, uh, old English days where the men would uh, oftentimes after dinner go to the drawing room. They'd just all sit around. They'd have their little... You know, pipes or whatever, and sit in the library and talk shop while the ladies were doing whatever they were doing outside, and they all sat in there. It was kind of like that. The ladies of the room, or whether Martha was the lady to help in or not, you know, we don't necessarily know. Some they may say she may. We don't. She's in the kitchen, or if this was Mary Magdalene, or Mary whoever was coming. One, the woman wasn't supposed to be in the room. This is the point of the story. Jesus and Simon and the disciples are kicked back, relaxing, talking about who knows what. Here enters a woman. This woman comes in. And she falls down before the feet of Jesus. The Bible said with tears streaming down her face. She created literally a baptismal pool of water on his feet. And it was so moving that she literally took. The Bible says that the hair of a woman is her crown of glory. Is what is supposed to set her off, if you will, distinguish her. She took her crown of glory, what makes her beautiful, and she humbled herself to the point to wash dirty feet by putting her crown of glory at the feet 
of Jesus. The Bible said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But do you know the book of Revelation says that we will bow down and present our crowns before his feet. The crown of glory. She lays there and she dries these dirty feet. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you would even touch feet, much less put your hair on someone's feet. But she washes the feet with tears. And all of a sudden, she has this box with her that she opens up the lid. And the most sweetest of aroma fills the room. You know what the aroma was? It wasn't the fragrance inside that alabaster box. It was the aroma of worship that entered in that room. The alabaster box was just a symbolism of what really entered into the room. Yeah, she took a vial of expensive perfume and broke it and poured it out and made Jesus' feet smell like some kind of bath and body work scent into the room. But that's not what changed the atmosphere in the room. It was the act of worship that changed in the room. We sing it around here sometimes, let the sweet aroma of worship, feel it, let it rise above the Father like a fragrant sweet perfume. Let our song of praise be pleasing and a sacrifice consumed as the sweet aroma of worship fills the room. She does that. In that moment, Simon looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you knew we first asked Jesus, he says, you know, hey, what's what's going on here? You know, this woman's come in and whatever. Judas is around there. You know, Judas, he's all about money. Judas is like, y'all know how much that was worth? That, that was expensive. That, that's worth a lot of money. You know how much we could have sold that and gave to poor? And Jesus, Judas wasn't worried about feeding needy people. He wasn't trying to start a food bank. He made it sound good, but Judas was not concerned. He only saw, gosh, that was a waste of money. You know how many people sometimes will think, the things we do are just a waste of time and money for the kingdom of God. Jesus said this to Simon. He said, Simon, I know what you're thinking. If this man were truly a prophet and he knew what kind of woman was touching him, he would not let that man, let this sinner, be anywhere near him and touch him. Jesus said, but Simon, let me ask or propose to you a question. Suppose a man lent a man a large sum of money and he also lent another man a smaller sum of money. When it came time to call in the debts, neither man could fulfill the obligation that was presented to them. So the master forgave both of those debts equally. Just write it, you know, he just wrote it off. Simon, which one do you think would have loved the master more? Simon, in his royal regalia, and his upper echelon, pharisaical coat and ties, stood up in his... See, said, well, Jesus, obviously, the one who had the most forgiven would be the one who would have been more endeared to the master. Knowing he felt like he was self-righteous and, and with self-righteous indignation and answered correctly, I could only imagine his, him just kind of settling in like, what kind of stupid question was that, Jesus? To which Jesus returned around and said, that's right, Simon. You've answered that correctly. See, when I walked into your house, you didn't offer me anything to wash my feet. You didn't offer me anything. But since this woman has entered into the room, she has not stopped washing my feet with her tears and drying them with her hair and even poured a rare expensive perfume on them. Simon, I tell you, though her sins, yes, they may be many, 
but they are forgiven. Jesus in that moment stood up from the table, grabbed her by the hand. He did not let her stay down on the floor. He did not let her stay down in her shame and misery. He did not let her stay down there in the gluttonies of despair, but Jesus went to where she was. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how bad it gets in life, Jesus will come to where you are. Jesus stooped down and he picked her up and eyeball to eyeball, looked her in the face and he said, woman, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. What he did and that's one that one simple act of kindness, that one simple act of mercy and grace. He taught a valuable lesson not only to Simon but to the church that no matter what the world thinks, no matter what the pharisaical ideologies of the day may be, that if people would gather around and have a sweet aroma of worship, it doesn't matter you're rich or you're poor, it doesn't matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter how many mountains you've been in or how many valleys you're fighting right now, Jesus will come down to where you are, He will grab you by the hand, He will pick you up and He will say your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more and He will set them on a new pathway, on a new straight and narrow and send them off better than the way He found them when they got to Him. That's why we praise Him. Well, why else do we praise Him? Well, we praise Him to resist Satan. Ephesians 6 and 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, cosmic powers, and present darkness, against spiritual forces in evil and heavenly places. I remember in Jesus in Matthew 4, I shared a couple weeks ago, being tempted by the devil. Every time the devil tempted him, Jesus used the word of the Lord to combat him. The Bible said man doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives forth from the words that proceeded from the mouth of God. Do not put the Lord your God to a test. Get thee behind me, saying, for it is written, you will love the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus combated the devil with God's own words in Matthew 4. But I also remember the story of Job. The Bible said that Job was minding his own business. Job wasn't even asking for it. Job was faithful. He was just doing his own business. But when the sons of God came to present their case, the devil came with them before God. And he said, I've been walking to and fro, searching the earth, trying to find some folks. And the Bible said, God said to Satan, have you considered Job? A man full of righteousness. A man full of faith. And the devil said, well, God, no wonder he praises you. You got him protected. He said, "If you, I guarantee you, if you move your heads of protection around him, he'll curse the very day that you ever made him. You know what God said? God had so much confidence in Job that he said, okay, I will let you have full reign on him. The only thing you cannot do is kill him. Now, I would have liked to know if Job would have like to have been in that conversation. If I was Job, I, once I got to heaven, God and I would have had about a 10-minute window where I would have said, can I get 10 minutes of you over here on the side talk to you for a second? When you and Satan were having that conversation, why didn't I get invited to see if I was okay with this plan? I'm glad you trusted me, but I'm not so sure I was so good with this plan. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this, but somehow I didn't get a vote in this either. It's kind of like going to a church business meeting. People always have an opinion what they want, but when their vote don't get counted, they get mad because they don't get the vote that they wanted and they don't get the, it doesn't get approved the way they want. I wonder if Job would have been that kind of person been like, I didn't even get to vote, Pastor. I didn't even get to choose what color carpet it was. I didn't even get to choose how many water fountains we had in the building. I didn't get to vote. The devil first takes his, his worship. He kills all his cattle. That's what he offers, his sacrifice of praise, his worship. Job would have used the lambs, the cattle, the ox to present offerings and sacrifices to the Lord. 
The devil tried to take his worship first. Well, that didn't work. So then God, so then the devil tried to take his family. Took all his children. Job still remained faithful. Then the devil attacked his health. Tried to give him all kinds of deadly diseases. To try to kill him. Make him think he wasn't going to make it. That didn't work. When it all was said and done, you know what happened? Job even got three no good friends show up to basically tell him it was his own fault why he was in the situations in. I think he needed new friends personally, but you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. Misery does love company though, so I guess, you know, it is what it is. Job's own wife. Now, I'm not judging Sister Job because she lost the same amount of children, but she got so tired of it, she's like, you're miserable, I'm miserable, let's just die. And I'm tired of this. Job said, well, first of all, you speak like a foolish child, and I know my Redeemer liveth, and I know he is able to keep me until the day he informed me. I may not understand why I'm going through what I'm going through or the reason I'm going through, but I know God still is in control, and I will not curse him. Though he slay me, yet still will I serve the Lord. And God restored it to him. But I say all that to say this. That sometimes we don't ask for what happens in our lives. We don't ask for the divorce to come. We don't ask for the cancer to come. We don't ask for the blood transfusion to come. We don't ask for the job to play out. We don't ask for the baby to go in the hospital with the temperature we just prayed about this, this evening. We don't ask for the bodily health issues we face. We don't ask for our children to be broken. We don't ask for our grandchildren to be broken. We don't ask for our church to split. We don't ask for that. But sometimes it happens. But God's still God. And He's still in control. And we still can praise Him. Because no matter what happens and no matter what comes my way, I never lost my joy. I'll never let the devil take my peace. I'll never let him take my, my happiness. Because if God be for me, who can be against me? Though He slay me, yet still will I serve the Lord. To resist the devil. Miss Carol, as you come, how else do we know that we priority is... Our praise is a priority because when you praise the Lord, it will release His Spirit. Hear my cry, O Lord. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been a shelter and a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in the tent, your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me a heritage for those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing the praise of your name as I perform my vows day after day. That is the entire book of Psalms 61 the devil said God you have been there for me when no one else was there for me I remember in Acts chapter 2 the Bible said when they gathered together and prayed and sought the face of the Lord as they were in one mind and in one accord and began to praise the Lord then there came a sound suddenly as of a rushing mighty wind and appeared unto them cloven tongues of a fire and it sat upon each of them and they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and prophesied Peter got up and said these men are not drunk as you suppose he preached Jesus and the cross of Calvary and five uh, thousands of people uh, were saved and, and they were added to the church and about I think it's Acts chapter 4 somewhere in that window uh, Peter and John get arrested for proclaiming Jesus after they healed the man uh, at the temple and he's gotten up leaped and praising the Lord the Pharisees got mad put him in prison and the church started gathering together, praying. They got released. But the Bible said in Acts 
34 and 31, and the place where they gathered together, that when they began to pray, the place to where they gathered together was shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Ghost came down. When you praise the Lord, you don't have to worry before too long the foundation of your life, the foundation of your home, the foundations of whatever you have built your hope on will start to shake by the power of an Almighty God, and His Spirit will be released, and there's nothing hell can do to stop it moving in your life. And finally, you know why we praise the Lord and should make it a priority? Because it will refresh the saints. It will keep us going. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or power, all things were created through him and for him. He is all things, before all things, and in him are all things. In Luke chapter 9, Peter confesses when Jesus asks, Who do men say that I am? Peter says, Well, you're Christ the Lord. And all of these things. And it happened as he was praying, the disciples joined him. He said, Who do they say I am? And they said, John the Baptist, Elijah, prophets of old. He said, Well, who do you say I am? Peter said, You are Christ of God. And he strictly warned them and commanded them to tell no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes into his glory and his Father and in the holy angels. But I tell you the truth. There are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Luke 9. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, open the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and to the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, planted of God, and that He might be glorified. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Can I tell you, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes and presents Himself in a synagogue there in Nazareth, and they ask Him to read a passage of Scripture. Out of all the Scripture in Luke 4 that Jesus could have read from, when He stood behind the sacred podium and lectured of that, that, that Sunday morning or that Saturday morning Bible study, when Jesus stood behind there, He could have picked of all the patriarchs and all the words of Moses, but Jesus quoted Isaiah chapter 61. He said, I have come to set captive free, to help broken hearts find their soul and find safety and security, to give joy for mourning to give the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness why do we praise the lord because when we praise the lord it releases his spirit and it encourages us to make it one more day with him and i close with this in acts chapter 6 excuse me in acts chapter 16 there are two men paul and silas that have been wrongly accused of insurrection. They are thrown in a Philippian jail. And in that jail, the Bible said, they were sitting together in stocks and bonds in the innermost part of the dungeon. You know, they could have wallowed in self-pity and said, woe is me. They could have. But 
The Bible said they began to sing praise unto the Lord. I don't know what they sang. Don't really care what they sang. But whatever it is they sang, it worked. <laughs> because about midnight, the Bible said, while they're just having them a little Holy Ghost showdown in the dungeon, all of a sudden, an earthquake happens. All of a sudden, these stocks and bonds that have them in bondage just fall off inconspicuously. And all the gates of not just their prison door, the whole jail doors were open. Could you imagine if you go home tonight and you turn on the news and they tell you that Lieber Prison out in Ridgeville, all of the inmates escaped, every one of them, all of them got out. Level 4 maximum security prison, all of them got out. Don't know where they are, they're somewhere in Berkeley, Dorchester, they all out, they just all out. You'd probably be a little uneasy. Somebody's head would be rolling and somebody's going to be fired. The Bible said that none of them left, though. The Philippian jailer comes down. He gets ready to take his own life because he knows, well, they're going to kill me if they find out I let all these prisoners out, so I'll die. And before he impales himself with the sword out of the faint darkness, the Apostle Paul said, stop. No one is left. The prison, the jailer comes down. He looks. He's amazed. And he said, what happened? And Paul told him the story. And he said, tell me about this God that you serve. And Paul said, let me tell you about it. And the Bible said after he got done telling the man took him back to his house, washed his wounds, dressed him, let him sit down at his dinner table, and the man and his entire house were saved. It all started with two people praising God in a dungeon. Two, not 500 people in church. Two men in their darkest season of life, in the pits of despair, in agony and pain, in their darkest season, in their most painful season, in their most adverse season, two people said, I'm going to praise God if it's the very last breath. As long as I have breath, I will praise the Lord because let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Two people said, I'll praise God. And not only did those two people get their miracle, that the whole jail got a miracle. Everybody got set free and many became saved under the power power of Jesus Christ you don't realize that your praise has a direct effect on those around you and when you praise the Lord you don't realize how many other people may be affected and benefit and may likewise receive their breakthrough and miracle all because you praised the Lord so my challenge to us tonight is this don't make praise subjective just whenever you feel like it but make it an objective practice in your life. Whether you feel like it or not, praise the Lord. When you get up in the morning, when you feel good or when the joints hurt, praise the Lord. When you get up in the morning and you feel like you can run a marathon or you don't feel like you can even get up off the couch, praise the Lord. When you have COVID, praise the Lord. But when you come out from COVID, praise the Lord. When you have a sinus infection, praise the Lord. But when you come through the sinus infection, praise the Lord. When you have strep throat, praise the Lord. And even if you can't say it out loud because it hurts, whisper it under your breath, praise the Lord. But when you get over that, shout unto God with a voice of triumph and shout unto God with a voice of praise because let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's what we're called to do. Let us say so. God's been good. So therefore, let us say so in this house will you stand all over the house tonight as we get ready to pray our closing prayer let me say to you thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight and being a part of worship tonight those watching online God bless you thank you for being here I hope you were blessed tonight by the words that were spoken my challenge to all of us this week 
good days or the bad days, the days of money in the bank, the days no money's in the bank, the pros, the cons, whatever, don't forget to praise the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. We've already prayed tonight for many needs, but you know what? Go ahead and praise God for the miracles and the answers before it even happens. Go ahead and praise Him for it. We know he can do it. Just go ahead and praise him for it. Just pray. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, you're going to heal the baby. We thank you, Lord, you're going to let Katrina and the Fultz and the, and, and the Godin family and the Peacock and the, and, and the Anderson family, they're going to come out from COVID on the other. God, we thank you. You're going to bring him back next Sunday to church, healed and made whole by the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you in advance for the people battling cancer. You're going to heal them. Lord, we thank you in advance for the people that are sick in body. You're going to heal them. God, we thank you already in advance that you're able and going to do it. In Jesus' name. Let me say this to you tonight. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance towards you and give you a peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Father, let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For that, we praise you. With the remaining in a spirit of prayer, I'm going to ask Pastor Calsey to pray our benedictory prayer. And following this prayer, you can consider yourselves dismissed. God bless you tonight. Pastor Calsey.